Thank you for listening to this recording by First Baptist Church in Wilson, Oklahoma. The first portion of this last Sunday's message, unfortunately, was lost due to technical difficulty. Pastor Spence is preaching from Malachi chapter 2, and we will pick up where the audio recording begins. At the windows of heaven, and we are to go to the throne of God, and we are to say, God, what do you see in First Baptist Church? Well, so the question is, what would God say? See, it doesn't matter what we think in this room. It doesn't matter what the popular opinion is. It doesn't matter what people like to think about. The question is, is what does God see? So here in this book of Malachi, that's what Malachi is doing. People would date this about Nehemiah and the Ezra time frame. The, the nation of Israel is coming back from captivity, coming back from exile, and they're coming back. And as these Old Testament prophets were coming to help spur and encourage the people to continue in their faithfulness, Malachi comes in on the scene and trying to tell them, do not forget the commands of God. Do not forget the things of God. And so there's this back and forth conversation we started last week where Malachi says, God says this and the people respond, but you say that back and forth, back and forth. And what Malachi is doing is he is being used as a spokesperson on behalf of God for God to come in and look at the people and say, this is what I see. And this is the problem with what I see. So as we started last week talking about this reflection about what does God see in us, we're going to continue it this morning. Last week, we were talking about some challenges that God brings before the people and says, hey, I'm going to challenge you there in your behavior. I'm going to challenge you there in your approach. I'm going to challenge you in your holiness. This week, as we start here in chapter two, we're going to start in verse one. In a moment, God's going to say, this is what I'm hearing. This is what I'm hearing from you. And I want to challenge you. Is this what God should hear? Is this what you think God does here? More importantly, is this what God wants to hear from us? So start there in chapter 2. I'm going to read aloud. If you will follow along in your copy of God's Word, we're going to start in verse 1 of chapter 2. And this is what Malachi writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And now, O priest, this command is for you. If you will not listen, if you will not take it to heart to give honor to my name, says the Lord of hosts, then I will send the curse upon you and I will curse your blessings. Indeed, I have already cursed them because you do not lay it to heart. Behold, I will rebuke your offspring and spread <laughs> dung. You think church in, this, in the Bible is boring. I will spread dung on your faces and dung on your offerings and you shall be taken away with it. So, so shall you know that I have sent this command to you that my covenant with Levi may stand, says the Lord of hosts. You might read these first few verses with me and you're like, Spence, what in the world is going on? Where have you taken us this morning? Well, the first thing that God, the first observation that I want you to see that God brings to the people has to do with what they were listening to. What was it that they were listening to? If you go back up there in verse two in the text, it says, if you will not Listen, and you think about this continuation, and when it was originally written, it didn't have the chapter and the verse divisions. We added those for the sake of being able to understand and be able to find our way into the text, but originally it was just one long, one solid letter. And so what Malachi is doing is he's referring back up to verse 13, where there is all of these different ideas 
Verse 13 of chapter 1 says, But you say, what a, weariness this is, what a weariness this is, and you snort at it, says the Lord of hosts. There was all these other competing voices out there saying, well, yeah, God says this, but we are going to change. We're going to redefine what God really says. Or we're going to contextualize. We're going we're to change it around and say, well, God said that then, but let's put a modern spin on it. And so there was all these people, even in Malachi's days, that were seeking to redefine worship, Obedience, truth. Think about the days we're living in and we have a whole litany of people today that try to think that they can redefine what marriage is. The problem is, is that we did not create marriage. So we don't get to define what marriage is. God created marriage and God defined marriage as a man and a woman. So therefore, it's not up for us to redefine. You can re try to redefine it all you want to, but God has made it very clear. And the danger that Malachi is coming into, the scene that he is coming into, is that he had a whole group of people that he's speaking to that had stopped listening to God and they had stopped, they had started listening to man. That's why you have there in the text. The question is, is are you listening to God or man? So in chapter two and verse two, he says, if you will not listen, if you will not take to heart to give honor to my name. God is coming in through the mouth of Malachi and saying, I have an observation. I see and I hear who you are listening to and who you're listening to is not me. See, something as a parent you tell your children often and something that we're echoing just what God has told us. And the thing is, is that we follow what we listen to. That is why for the last couple of years, some of you have been very concerned and very nervous about this whole virus that is going around. Some of you are being very cavalier and nonchalant. Some of you are like, I don't understand what the big deal is. And some of you are going, well, I understand what the big deal is. And some of it not only has to do with your experience, but some of it has to do with who we're listening to. It's not that hard if you start listening to people talk to figure out who they're listening to. Because we follow what we listen to. So, so God is coming in through the mouth of Malachi and saying, ha, if you will not listen to me, if you will not give honor to my name, there is a problem because if you start following man instead of me, if you start listening to man instead of me, you're going to end up following man and not me. And that's a daily struggle. It may not be a daily struggle for you, but that's a daily struggle for me. Because it's quite easier to listen to man because man is talking instead of listening to the Holy Spirit because sometimes that takes effort and that takes work. And you sit down with your Bible open and you read Scripture and you say, God, speak to my heart. And then sometimes it feels like nothing. And it takes difficulty to try to discern the voice of God and try to, to learn the voice of God. I was at a church camp years ago and the camp pastor, he, he said, hey, I'll do whatever gimmick you want me to do if we reach a certain milestone. So the milestone was reached and the students had this wonderful idea. And what they did was they took a series of mousetraps. And I'm not talking about two or three, I'm talking about several hundred mousetraps. And they spread across the platform. And then they took the preacher and he was over here in the corner, the camp pastor. He was over here. They spread all the, the mousetraps all across the stage and they blindfolded him. And then they took three other people on the other side trying to guide his steps through the mousetraps. And then, of course, all the students, they're laughing and they're jeering and they're, blah, 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 they're, they're raising all kinds of cane. And I'm, I'm just thinking, can you imagine? I, I can only imagine. What I, I'm not doing it. I'm just telling you. Don't even get the idea. I ain't doing it. But I can just imagine. Here he is. He's barefoot. He's blindfolded. And he is trying to listen to one voice out of a competition of a multitude of voices. And he knows that one wrong step, the mousetrap, big toe, ouch, hurt, 
All of those things, all those ramifications, and all depended upon him listening to the right voice and doing what the voice said to do. And when you and I wake up in the mornings, that's what it's like in our daily walk. Because you have a multitude of voices claiming for our attention. You have a multitude of voices trying to get into your ear. You have all these people competing for you. And God says, when I look down upon my people here in Malachi chapter 2, I see a people that aren't listening to me. And that is a problem there where you're not listening to God because how can you follow God if you're not listening to God? So then you get to this interesting information. <laughs> he says, I'm going to bring a curse upon you. But then in verse 3, it gets even worse than that. He said, behold, I'll rebuke your offspring and spread dung on your faces. Now, depending on your translation, some of, your some of the translations may say garbage. Some of your translations may say refuse. I don't know what your translation may say, but the original language had to do with what you'd call the offal. When you go to butcher an animal, you have the guts, you have the intestines, you have all the stuff on the inside that we really don't think is delicious or, or something we want to consume, and it's all the guts, it's all the innards, it's all the things that you would look at and say, I don't want to touch that. And what God is saying is, is what I'm going to do is I'm going to put on the outside of you what I see on the inside of you. You see, we get really good in our Christianity of putting on the face to come to church. May I tell you something? You're not the only husband and wife that fight on Sunday morning. May I tell you, parents, you're not the only one that has kids that seem like they check their brains out on Saturday night. May I tell you that it's not a coincidence that Sunday morning with small children is a colossal task to get ready and to get to church. Don't think that it, you're the only one. Don't think that, oh, I'm the only one that experiences it, and this is some one-off thing. I'm telling you, this is a daily grind. This is a Sunday issue. This thing comes and comes and comes and comes and comes. And brothers and sisters, we sometimes start to put on the face. We start to put on the show. And we come to church, and we sit down, and we stand up, and we have the part, and we're like, oh, everything's fine. Fine, 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 fine. Everything is great. And on the inside, I'm dry. I'm mad at you. You're mad at me. You don't want to be here. You can smell the food in the other room. You're like, man, is this guy ever going to shut up? Your mind's a thousand other places because your heart is a thousand other places, but your face says something different. And so when God comes in, he just makes it very clear. God says, I'm going to put on the outside of you what I see on the inside of you. You see, you come, and you do these sacrifices, you do these offerings, and you look the part, and everybody's like, oh, aren't they so spiritual? Aren't they so holy? And God says, but what I see is I see the condition of your heart. And your heart looks like a garbage dump. Your heart looks like a pile of rotting guts. Your heart looks like the dung that you wouldn't want to have anything to do with it. I see the condition of your heart. So I'm going to put on the outside what I see on the in inside, and I put there in your notes, we reflect what we follow. And if you follow garbage, you're going to have a heart of garbage. If you follow sinful behaviors, you're going to have a heart of sinful behaviors. Your desires, your priorities, those things that you chase will be reflected in how you live. And church, sometimes we need to understand that not only do we hear what we're listening to, but God hears what we're listening to. So God comes in and makes this observation to the people and he says, let me just tell you, I hear what you're listening to. So he tells them, I hear it and I've got an issue with it. Well, why is this such an issue? 
Look down there at verse 4. He goes on to the second observation that Malachi gives us from God. He says in verse 4, So you shall know that I have sent this command to you, that my, command, that my covenant with Levi may stand, says the Lord of hosts. My covenant was with him, or with him was one of life and peace, and I gave them to him. It was a covenant of fear, and he feared me. He stood in awe of my name. True instruction was in the mouth, and no wrong was on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness, and he turned many from iniquity. For the lips of a priest should guard knowledge, and the people should seek instruction from his mouth. For he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. There's a second observation that God brings to the mouth of Malachi. And the second observation is God had given them something to say. God had given them something to say. Or what God had, you see then you know, what God had given them to say. God, God comes in and says, listen, I hear what you're listening to, and what you're listening to is not what I gave you to say. Now, he, he talks about this language of Levi. If you were to go back to Numbers chapter 3, you would see where as God is bringing the Israelites out of Egypt, out of that Egyptian bondage, he separates it out through the tribes. And he says, all right, tribe, this tribe, you're going to have this responsibility. And this tribe, you're going to have that responsibility. He looks at the tribe of Levi and says, you are going to be the priest to the people. And that's where Aaron, the first priest, came from, through that Levitical tribe. And really what the tribes were to do, or specifically what the Levites were to do, they were to be the spokespersons for God. So they all didn't have a holy Bible. They all didn't have the Bible app on their phone. Some of them couldn't read, some of them couldn't write. So what they would do is they would trust that there was these Levites that were among them that would know God's word and would tell them God's word, would model God's word, would show them how to live in accordance to God's word and say, so looked at these people as a bit of an intermediary, if you would. These people helped with the sacrifice. These people helped with the offerings. These people helped guide them in holiness before God. So what Malachi comes in, and he's addressing this to the priest, but he said, all this stuff that you're listening to is not in step with what God had told you to say. You see, he sets them aside. He says, verse 5, my covenant was with him, or my covenant with him was one of life and peace. Who? With Levi. He is saying, I have given this people a purpose. Their purpose was, was to lead other people in faithfulness and obedience to him. He had set these people, Levi, apart. Not only had a people with a purpose, but then he had a man with a message. So he talks about the tribe of Levite there in verse 4, but then you look down in verse 5, and he changes it from the plural to the singular. My covenant, was, my covenant with him was one of life and peace, and I gave them to him. It was a covenant I gave to him of fear, and he feared me. He stood in awe of my name. Not only had he set apart a people, the Levites, to carry out the mission of the Lord, but he also told the individual men like Aaron and his sons and the other ones, I have given you a message. You go to the people and you say, thus says the Lord. Billy Graham used to say all the time in his preaching ministry, the Bible says. He was consistently trying to pull people back to, this isn't what I say, this isn't what popular opinion says, this is what God says. And so you had a people with a purpose and you had a man with a message and their message was, God is holy, we should fear God, we should be obedient to God, we should serve God, God has commands, God has directions, God has instructions, God has standards for our lives and it all comes back to God. That's what these Levites were supposed to do. They were to constantly champion and trumpet the things of God. I can see it in your faces. You're sitting here going, well, Spence, I'm not a Levite, so so why are you bringing this up? Spence, I'm not a priest, so why are you bringing this up? 
Why in the world are you even making this a point, Spence? Because I am not a Levite, I am not Jewish, I am not of that lineage, and so therefore, I'm not the target audience here. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. This is what Peter writes. But you, and who's he writing to? Well, we just went through 1 Peter this last year, at the end of the year in 2021. So we, we've already been through this crown before. This is already pre-plowed ground. And so we've already been here before. And who Peter's writing to? He's writing to the early New Testament churches there in what is modern day Greek. He's writing to a whole crop of new believers, Gentile believers. He is writing, in a sense, to the church now. So Peter is writing to us. And listen to how Peter describes them. First Peter chapter two and verse nine, he says, but you are a chosen race a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. What Peter is making the connection is, is in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, you had these people of God that served as an intermediary between God and the people. But then remember when Crucifixion happened, the veil was torn, and that intermediary was no longer. So therefore, we in the New Testament sense, we can go straight to the throne of grace. We do not need to go through a priest. We do not need to go through a a pastor. We can go straight to Jesus because of our identity in Christ. So he says, he says, Malachi is looking at these priests and saying, I know what you're listening to, and I know that you're not saying what God had given you to say. And by extension, church, God has given us something to say. God has given us a message. God has given us a purpose. We just don't relegate it to the preachers and say, well, that's his job. That's why we hired him. That's not my responsibility. Ephesians chapter 4 says it's it's, it's the job of the pastor to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. It doesn't say it's the job of the pastor to do the work of the ministry. It's the job of the pastor to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Who are the saints? All of your smiling faces. So scripturally speaking, it is the job of the pastor of the church to equip all of us inside this church to all do ministry, which means that it's not a matter of, well, we hired him for him to do it. It's the matter that we all have a responsibility to do the ministry of the church. So you come back here to Malachi chapter two and and God makes this observation and God says, I know what I have given you to say and you're not saying it. Not only had he set a people aside with a purpose, Matthew chapter 28, not only had he given, put it in the man's heart, a message, Acts chapter one, but then God had also said, so I give you this message, I give you the gospel, you have a name worthy of worship. Where you get that from, Spence, would you look down there He says in the last part of verse five, it was a covenant of fear and he feared me. He stood in awe of my name. That goes back all the way up to to chapter one and verse 14 when he says, my name will be feared among the nations. God is saying, the problem is is that you're living like God doesn't exist. You're living like God doesn't matter. You're living like God is just a byword and you forget that you have a name worthy of worship. You have the name of Jesus Christ. And so when we go out into this world, it's not saying, well, you know what? We got just something like everybody else got. We have a savior, we have a creator, we have a sustainer, we have a God 
We have a message from a holy, all-powerful, omnipotent God, and we are not mute, helpless people trying to sell vacuum cleaners door to door. We are the people that are forgiven. We are the people that are redeemed. We are the people that have the good news to go to people and say, you want to have help in your mental state? You want to have help in your emotional state? You want to have help with your finances? You want to have help in your family? You want to have help in your community? You want to have help in your social order? You want to have help in the culture? You want to have help? We have help and we have hope and his name is Jesus. We have that to go to them, and God has given us something to say. But then there's a third one. There's a third observation that God brings. And you see it there in verse nine, verse 8. So God comes in there in verse 1 of chapter 2, and he says, I hear what you're listening to. What you're listening to doesn't reflect me. This isn't what I told you to do. And then you get down there in verse 4, and he says, it's not like you don't have anything else to talk about. I have given you plenty to talk about. But then you get down to verse eight and he really dials it in. Not only what they were listening to and not only what God had given them to say, but then you get down to verse eight and God says, I hear what you're saying. I didn't phrase it the same way you see in your notes. It was, but God says, I hear what you are saying. Look with me at verse eight, if you will. God continues. But you have turned aside from the way. Now, what is the way? The way is the command of God, the direction of God, the instruction of God, the things that God told them to do. He says, but you have turned away. You have turned aside from the way. You have caused many to stumble by your instruction. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts. And so I make you despised and abased before all the people. Inasmuch as you do not keep my ways, but show partiality in your instruction. God comes in and says, I hear what you say. Not only do I hear what you're listening to, I hear what I have told you to do, but I also hear what you are saying. And he looks at them and says, but you have turned aside. Now what he is, he's, it's a play of words if you will. Because <clears throat> all through chapter one, there's this continual thing where the people say, but you say, but you say, but you say. Look at it in verse six. It said, Malachi is writing and he's having this conversation. God says this. And then Malachi comes in the last part of verse six, but you say, verse seven, but you say, verse seven, by saying that. And then you get down there to uh, verse 12 of chapter one, but you profane it when you say. And then again, they're in verse 12, but, or verse 13, but you say. And so all this Malachi is saying, you keep coming back to the Lord going, I don't know what to do. I don't know how I'm supposed to do it. I don't know what's supposed to look like. And he says, but here's what I see. You have turned away from me. There comes a time in our lives when we can get convicted by the Lord. We can slice a lot of different ways, but it seems like the predominant way to do it is when you get convicted by the Lord, you're going to do two things. Either you're going to repent and submit to God, or you're going to compensate by performance. So either you're going to say, God, you're God, and I'm not, and so I'm going to do what you tell me to do, or you're going to say, well, I'll just try harder. I'll just work harder. I'll just do better. We compensate by Performance. God is coming in and he's, he's looking at him and saying, here's the problem. You have turned aside from the way. He didn't give them one of the ways. He didn't say a multitude of ways. He says singular. There is only one way to God and that is through the Father and you have turned aside from the way. The problem is, is when you turn aside, 
All these people that thought you were a Christian, all these people that are following you, all these people that are looking at you for an example and a model of what to do, all of a sudden they turn aside. Not just that, but he reminds them that when they cause people to stumble by where? Verse eight, cause many to stumble by your instruction. What he's saying is the mouth reveals the mind. So you can come to church all you want and you can say all the right things to me and then you get on social media and you show your rear. People are going to listen to what you say on social media before they're going to listen to what you say to me. And some of you think, well, the preacher's not on social media, so he's not going to see what I do. He's not going to see what I say. And I'm not going to. And quite honestly, I don't want to know. I like thinking the best about you. But, but we get there, right? We get there. And we forget that our mind, that our mouth reveals our mind. And he is saying, you have turned, you have made people stumble by your instruction. Verse 8, you have corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts. He is saying that not only, the, not only have you stopped in your heart following after him, but then your mind and your mouth and all these things are causing people to leave the faith. They're causing people to think that it's okay to just dabble in sin. It's okay to compromise with the truth. It's okay to get involved in these things that aren't holy. It's okay to, to accommodate idolatry. It's okay to do all these things because they look and they say, well, if Spence is doing it, it must be okay. We had this conversation a few weeks ago in men's Bible study on Friday mornings. And it matters. It matters what people see because people are going to look at people in this church and going to get cues on what it looks like to live faithful for God based upon what we're doing. And so God is coming in. He's looking at these priests and he's saying, it matters. It matters what you say because your mouth reveals the mind and your witness is your walk. What do you mean, Spence? Your witness is your walk. What I'm saying is it doesn't matter what your mouth says. If your feet are going in the wrong direction, you can sit there all day long and saying, oh, I'm, I'm in love with Jesus. And then you go off and you watch your filth on the television. You go off and you put a lot of other things before God on every weekly basis. You go off and you spend your life pursuing a lot of other things that are temporal and that are not eternal and that God tells you not to do. And your walk goes a different way than what you say it is. Your witness is your walk. But people follow people. People follow people. Which means that you're following someone. And someone is following you. You're following someone and someone is following you. Now this whole picture of discipleship is intentionally. To say, hey, why don't you follow me as I follow Christ? There's, there's a biblical picture of discipleship in that. <clears throat> but whether we employ this biblical, biblical picture of discipleship, the reality is, is that you are following someone and someone is following you. So the question is, is who you are following, are they leading you to the Lord? And who is following you, are you gonna lead them to the Lord? And that's the whole idea that God comes in. God says, I hear what you're listening to. I hear what I put in your heart and I hear what you're saying. And the, the danger is, the danger is, is they don't all move in the same direction. So let me ask the question, well, what are we saying? And in no way do I want to try to impose upon you or infer upon you or to cast any kind of judgment upon you. But the question is, is what are we saying? Three ideas and then we'll move to the Lord's Supper. Number one, we honor through time. 
We honor through time. The question that he had back in chapter two and, and verse two, he says, if you will not listen, if you will not take it to heart to give honor to my name. The idea is that God says these people are profaning the name of God. They're, they're taking the honor of God for granted. All these things, all this glory that is due God's name, they were assigning to someone else. And how do then do we show honor to God? It's through time. The things we honor, the things we prioritize, the things that matter the most, are the things that we give the most time to. We honor with time. So the question is, do you honor the name of God with your time? Well, give me a list, Spence. Give me a list of everything that I'm supposed to do. It's not like that. I wish it was. I wish I had a checklist every morning when I woke up. Five minutes reading your Bible, check. 30-second prayer, check. Smile at three people randomly throughout the day, check, check, check. Be nice to your wife and say one kind thing to her before lunch. Check. Be patient with the kids at least four times in a random succession. Check, 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 check. I wish it was a matter of lists that I could just go through there and so I could get to the end of the night and I could look at my checklist and say, ha, ha, pretty good. I did it all. I got it all done. But that's not life. We honor what we give time to. And we give time to what we honor. The question is, are you giving honor to God? Not only do we honor through time, but we model through time. There's a whole community outside these walls that are looking at the church to say, what does it look like? What am I supposed to do? They're looking at the church for excuses. They're looking for the church for examples. They're looking to the church for a model. They're looking for the church and saying, are they being faithful to the Lord? Are they doing it right? And they're also looking to the church for justification. Well, if they won't do it, then I don't have to do it. Well, if they did that, then ha And they're looking for something as a point of reference. And we model through time. It's time with the Lord, time in relationships, time spent living for other people, time spent doing what we have been called to do. We model and say, it's not just a matter of my mouth on a Sunday morning. It's a matter of my hands on a Monday afternoon. It's a matter of my feet on a Thursday evening. It's a matter of what I do with my time, what I do with my resources, all of these things. I am not just going to honor God with my time, but I'm going to model to everybody else what I do with my time. Because we are running out of time. I'm not a date setter. I don't know when the Lord's going to come back. I don't know how much longer you've got on this earth. The reality is, is nobody knows when they're going to die. So you have no idea exactly how old you are. Do you see, if we started dating your age by when you're going to die instead of when you were born, some of us might be a different age than what we think. The reality is, is every single one of us are running out of time. We're running out of time to honor God. We're running out of time to lead others to God. We're running out of time to leave a life and a legacy and an example of what it looks like to live faithfully before God. We are running out of time. And every single day when we wake up, if we're not following God first, then how do we expect for other people that are following after us to follow God next? So Malachi comes in here in chapter two and he says, I hear what you say. I hear what you're saying. And this isn't what I told you to say. So I wonder where you're at. I wonder where you're at this morning. I don't think, I don't think any of this room that I know of and I'm looking at your faces, I don't think anybody has Tourette's syndrome and, and please don't think I'm making fun of anybody with Tourette's syndrome. But you know, you think of the, 
the diagnosis of Tourette's syndrome. It's somebody that just has these ticks, these, these twitches, that may randomly blurt out things. And then they're known sometimes to say inappropriate things, improper things at the wrong time. And, and there's even kind of a joke around there. If somebody says something that's not in the proper place, they'll say, oh, that's just Tourette's. But I wonder if God in his humor sometimes, we just had spiritual Tourette's. That what you think in your mind, I'm having a bad thought about somebody. I'm having a negative thought about somebody. I'm having a pessimistic thought about somebody. And God's like, you know, instead of just thinking in speech, what a difference that would make in our lives. You know, how much more we might be careful about what we say. We might be careful about what we think. We might be careful about what we do around people if we realize that what we say in here might be getting said out there. But what God is saying here in this passage is that it doesn't matter if what we say in here does say out here because what we say in here, God hears. So I wonder what God hears out of your life this morning.